Hi, listener, this is from Ideology to Unity, a spiritual journey where we let go of ego and ideological doctrine in favor of meaning, purpose, and unity as a whole. So today, as you can see, if you're watching the video, I've got a new, new microphone. We'll see how it goes. And so today, what I'm talking about is, well, it's a symbol that I discovered I suppose you could say, that represents certain interesting pointers or a, rep a conceptual representation of something I'd like to get across. However, keep in mind that it is just a pointer. It's like a sign post, right? It isn't the thing itself. And keep that in mind with concepts always. That they can only point you in the right direction, or they can point you in the wrong direction. Whatever that is, they, they, those words themselves are judgments. But the, the thing itself, unity, for example, isn't the word unity. It's what, but unity can point you in that direction, for example. But what this is about is, I guess it's about the ego and a little bit about the concept of samsara, or at least inspired by that. Um, it's actually inspired by Till Swan and talking about parts work, um, the concept of samsara, and also I guess what I've learned about the ego uh, from say Aaron Abke, Cause and Miracles, The Law of One, Carl Jung as well. Um, so yeah, so I'll tell you what, I'll show you the symbol first, just as a reference point. The way I drew it is it's like High quality or anything. I could do like high quality graphics and high quality editing for all of this, but I don't always need to do that, you know, even though I want to push my boundaries in that regard. So wait, let me see what you can see. So there's that concept. So each of these arrows or lines going across here crosses over the center, which is the I am observer presence. And the whole thing represents our psyche in a sense, right? So, see what you okay. So, if you look at each of these, well, I mean, I didn't draw, draw it right, but there's meant to be in a straight line, and these are two extremes, right? It's kind of like okay, so according to Teal Swan talking about parts work, the ego, or at least is how I interpret it, the ego fragments, so to speak with trauma in our lives it's almost formed from those sort of fragmentations so what happens is the ego is a whole set of competing thought forms and beliefs there's the core fundamental beliefs of the ego which are fundamental regardless of any particular person or ego you know such as the belief in being incomplete um and more there's like three key beliefs. So being separate from the universe is also another one of those key beliefs. But aside from those core beliefs, which are fundamental for every ego, there's obviously looking at the world, seeing all these different personalities and egos, there's quite a lot of variety of forms that um, an egoic personality can take right 
part of this, other than uh, predispositions that might be chosen before one's life, due to what sort of karmic lessons one wanna, you want to learn, will be what sort of how experiences shape you and how they. Okay, the way I put this is that the way Till Swan talks about it, a YouTuber, it's quite an interesting YouTuber as well, talking about spirituality and stuff, is that for each of these events, traumatic events, there becomes a split, right? Suppose the parent really tells off or really belittles and ma makes the child feel that they can't, they're not loved if they express themselves in their own independent, different way. If there's an expected way they're meant to express themselves, and that means whenever they have to basically rep either repress themselves to maintain that, to get that love from their parents, right? Or they reject, or they don't do that, and they reject that, and they don't get the love, but they maintain their authenticity. So it becomes this hard choice between you being yourself and you getting the love from your parents, for example. And what would happen, this is me interpreting or paraphrasing the concept of Tills One, in such a case is that it would create this sort of, a bit like split personality disorder or disassociative personality disorder, but not to the point of actually being diagnosable. And the idea is that everyone have this tendency of a somewhat fractured, so to speak, psyche of competing thought forms, right? And because of duality, every time there's a we do live in duality. Every time there's a traumatic event, it creates a split of one extreme or the other. And basically, at any point in time, one or the other of those competing thought forms is chosen as which predominates in the psyche. For example, one person might at first go along with the expectations of expressing them, their being in a way that their parents expect and go along with their experience representations, for example, while completely repressing their genuine authentic self. And there may well be a self-hatred that develops in that, and it might be pretty awful to put up with. But maybe when they're teenagers, they will bow and decide, actually, no, I'm going to be myself. And so they decide to be completely themselves, no matter how anyone else feels about it because they're going to take it to the opposite extreme. Authenticity is great and all, but they'll take it to the opposite extreme of like, I'll say whatever I think and fuck everyone else because I'm being me, right? At maybe at the expense of others. But the opposite extreme would be, oh, just, just, just be quiet, go along with what authority figures, which was authority figures and parenthood and parents are kind of psychologically linked, I would say. Because it's all conditions, conditional love. You are loved by your peers, or you're loved by your parents. Your parents are a fundamental measuring block for love and everything else reflects that. Except, of course, the love of God. But once you come into the first, the child who's vulnerable, technically kind of separated from the spirit world, they come to view their parents like God, right? And so their parents as the source of love and thus 
the conditioning is such that you get love based on what how the con how your parents uh conditioned you to be able to get love and even when you're not interacting with parents the same dynamic plays out unless you're aware of it and it can unravel unravel it and the thing is even if someone is rebelling against it they're still playing the same story just another part of that story they're rebelling against the idea of following the expectations but in but their egoic sense of self is still fundamentally tied to the idea of following um someone else's mold for who you are just the negation of that but of course the truth is all opposites are united um duality kind of misses that and so if you interest if you're in if you noticed the i am observer presence that we really are not our ego is in the middle and crosses over all of them and from that i am presence oh, i don't mean to swear at you <laughs> uh, with the middle finger there uh yeah you can observe every all your thoughts all your thought forms every reflection of your ego so each of these opposites is of course two different extremes and the more you observe with presence yourself the more self-aware you are the more you can come out of the periphery shell around the edge, which reminds me of the, the tree of life in um, what's it? Not Mark, but the uh, Kabbalah, actually. Because the idea of there being a shell that falls away from the core of the being of the tree of life and the, and the Kabbalah, and then the shell that forms that um, forms from what's left over. And that reminds me of maybe that is what the ego is. Ah, yes. And I've been thinking about this recently. Um, now, some, they're going to go wrong. I, I'm speculating here because I don't really know much about the Kabbalah, but take this or leave it. Just an interesting thought. What if, you know, there's this typical idea of there's the main Kabbalah, the tree of life in the Kabbalah. Um, I can't remember what it looks like, shape, but you can look, Google it if you want to know what it looks like. If, if you don't know but and then there's a shadow one which is like the dark reflection of the same thing that's connect the bottom of the tree of life connects to the this kind of shadow version of it which is based on these shells are based on like what's fallen away from it like it's a thorn equivalent so for every part of the tree of life there's a dark re distorted reflection of it now the, the idea is that dark version aspect of it was completely taboo but maybe that's the wrong way of looking at it. Maybe when we grew up in a society conditioned by ego, we start off in the shadow one and we need to ascend up to the true tree of life. So it's not about, oh, don't go into that dark version of the tree of life. So let's get out of that because we're conditioned into it um, as we grow up and find our true expression of ourselves a more harmonious expression of self that is reflected by the tree of life proper. It's, I know it's a tangent, but I, I kind of, hmm, I might go into that another time actually, but yeah, I thought I'd talk about it. Anyway, so if you follow, there's the I am and there are these different 
fractures of splinters of the ego that are competing thought forms in a dualistic way. And that's what is one extreme and an opposite extreme, because it's duality, and that's what we live in. And they're not entities. Keep them in mind. These are the ego is just a whole bunch of thoughts and programming. Um it's not like some being or entity. Even Carl Jung, the way he talks about the ego, is almost portrays it like it's an entity um, of some kind, or like the same with Freud. And that is not really what it is. Oh, oh, there are some other concepts that I've drawn along here too uh, that might be interesting. Oh, what is, okay, samsara. If you look at the top, if you look at the top, okay, if you're listening to this, you can't see it. So I'm just gonna have to, you're just gonna have to bear with me. <laughs> If you're not, if you're on Spotify or something, you know. But um, my writing isn't exactly the best. Is Maybe self-criticism. That's the uh, inner critic. <laughs> so the samsara in I think Buddhism, it's this wheel of fate thing that we go through in lives when we're not enlightened, and it's kind of like the ups and downs of self-esteem, or like. When it's and there's also like the Greek, Greek tragedy in a way as well. Like we have these really high, high highs and we feel great, and it's like we get maybe get a bit prideful and full of ourselves. Like, oh yeah, I've got really high thoughts of self, good, good self-esteem. I'm great. I'm amazing. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, and then it's like, but then there's like you go through the lows of oh people have rejected me. How how could I cope? Oh no. Oh I'm terrible. Oh I'm so terrible. And the idea is, in the middle, is inner peace. You don't have that roller coaster of ups and downs when you've got the inner peace there, right? Or like there, it's the same kind of thing. And that's why I'm kind of, I realized, or I had this idea, this concept which I kind of borrowed or adapted from Till Swan and Till Swan's concepts, this image that's a symbol that came into my mind and just I visually saw it and it's like, yeah, I resonate with that. That makes sense. Um, I, the thought occurred to me, that's linked, that's very much like the samsara, right? I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but whatever. Um, all these ups and downs of ego, race, emotion, you know, or feeling love yourself conditionally when it's great, but feeling a lack of that when it's not going great or trying to only feeling good when you get the self when people like you if you would like criticizing you're like oh no i feel awful you know my identity is threatened <sighs> um oh another thing i want to mention this is an interesting concept that came to mind here is so about that this main diagram i'm showing you here i thought of this idea based on that so this is a mini version of it but as you see this, this is conscious and shadow or unconscious. Now, what happens if you have certain, there are certain extremes that a person identifies with, right? Certain extreme sides of each duality. There's more than just the arrows I've shown here. There's an infinite potential number of them. But they've got a certain, a certain experiences they had, certain traumas or whatever, right? And they have taken certain sides of 
certain dualistic extremes uh, based on that. Suppose they've decided to be worthy, they need to be really hardworking. They need to keep work hard, working hard because otherwise if they're being lazy and not doing anything, so to speak, you know, being lazy, so to speak, and if they're not working hard, then oh, that their parents maybe treated them like they were worthless or not worthy of love if they weren't working hard. Or maybe they're in escapism. They're like, they feel like they're not worthy, but they, they maybe feel good and love, a sense of love when they're getting, I don't know, high on cocaine or something. <laughs> or maybe when they're drinking or just out partying or something. So maybe they're focused on it on, um, okay, I'm, I'm going a bit. Suppose they've got the hardworking one, right? And for each of these things, they've got, they, they're worthy if they, they work hard, they're worthy if they conform and obey authority. Um, that might be one. They, they're worthy if other people I don't know. There's a whole bunch of potential things, right? You, you get what I'm saying. For every single issue, there's two interpretate two extreme interpretations, and a unified interpretation. But when you're an ego, you won't tend to take a unified interpretation. You'll take one extreme or the other. So each of these events, there's a sort of fracturing, and one side of it is identified with. Now, what happens if because of Carl Jung' understanding of the shadow that is in the Age community as well? What happens if you don't identify with something that is part of your psyche? It's still there. All that negative emotion, even the negative beliefs, thought forms are still there, but you're not aware of it. And you project it outside to the external world, so to speak. And when you see it in other people, it might be a signpost. Or when you interpret the negativity in what you're seeing in other people, that you don't accept in yourself. Suppose you 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 believe that you're worthy if you work hard, right? And you see people who aren't working hard, as in your eyes, and you feel a disgust and maybe even an anger at them, right? So I work so hard, to, and I do this, so we'll be worthy. And you're just sitting around, and maybe maybe they see someone who just like you know got a check from uh, the parents or something, someone who's well off, right? And they see someone who doesn't work for a living and they were like i i'm worthy because i work hard they're not worthy because they don't ah my god remember they're angry because they feel like the rules that you work hard you get the results you're not following the rules but you're still getting the benefit that's not fair right and so they feel threatened by that maybe other people are the other way around in the sense that what they might do is they're like you act like you're superior to me on basically getting work done, but you don't know what it's like to have no low motivation. You don't, whatever. It goes on and on and on. All these dualistic, combative, uh, dualistic, you know, divisions. There's no end to it. You see it in politics, you see it in so much. But, but why was I going with this? Basically, like with this diagram, some aspects will be say this is consciously identified with and that will be unconsciously identified with and the external world which is beyond our diagram they'll see manifestations or interpret into what they see in the external world manifestations of that shadow but because they won't recognize it as a reflection of what they rejected themselves 
because they believe that they're one with everyone else because the ego believes in separation. So instead they see stuff in the external world as other people and they project it out from themselves as those people have these bad traits, right? I mean, Nazi Germany is a typical example of where, for example, a whole host of negative traits or potentials that they weren't accepting in themselves, they were just projecting onto Jews, gypsies, etc. That's a very, it's a very blatant example. It's almost low hanging fruit in terms of the explanation of that. But Carl Jung observed such, such a tendency anyway. Anyway, so yeah, you see it in the external world and you don't accept it. But integrating the shadow is except looking at the signs in the external world and so to speak, because it's all one, recognizing yourself as one with everything else and thus what you interpret, what you feel reaction to or resistance to or like triggers some sort of emotional reaction like anger or fear or, or whatever in the external world when you see it, that represents something you can reflect on within yourself. And the more you integrate, I guess, integrate the shadow or the unconscious things that you're not accepting within you, the more you can understand yourself and your own mind and your own ego. Because you don't just want to understand the parts of the ego that you're aware of. I mean, that's great and all, and it's beneficial. And with um, Aaron Epke's Mastering the Mind course or what he teaches, and the Course of Miracles and other things teaches too. Certainly, being aware and mindful of what comes up in your consciousness, right? That's helpful. It's very helpful to be aware of what's going on in your mind. But it's also helpful to be aware of that which you're not aware of in you. And so, if you're not sure, struggling to see it in yourself, try looking out there and see what you react to. Because you look out there, it's signposting what's in you anyway. So, even if maybe if you're expected to wear a mask, right, from peers or from authority, and you feel angry, what does that tell you, right? It could be anything. Maybe someone has a different political view from you, right? You feel threatened in some way. Or you feel afraid of something happening, right? It's not for me to tell you what that signposts, but it is a signpost. It's not the actual explicitly what's going on in the world but rather how you interpret and emotionally react to it when you experience it. Keep that in mind. But this, hopefully this diagram, it might actually give some clarity actually about the ego itself, especially this diagram as well. Because not just the ego, but the conscious parts of the ego and the unconscious parts of the ego. Because there might be some parts that you become aware of and particularly the ones you identify with. Although you might not be aware that you identify with certain things or that aware that the things that you identify with consciously aren't actually you. Of course, there's always that 
observer presence within. And that's when you're observing yourself and the outside world, anything you experience is actually from the I am, even if you don't know that. Because loads of people, they don't know they have the I am, they think they're their ego, right? But they're still experiencing everything from that observer consciousness, right? Okay, so that's the concept or symbol, whatever, that I wanted to get across. Plus a little bit extra about the tree of life. So, and I'm trying out this new mic, so yeah. Be thrilled to like and subscribe or whatever. If not, if you don't want to, that's great too. Um, yeah. Um, well, uh, have a great day. And without further ado, bye for now.